welcome all you ghosts and goblins to episode 3 of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. I'm your host Billy D and I've got a really good conversation uh, in line for you today. Uh, Al Sedano, he, uh, Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast is here. And the two of us are going to sit down and talk about the first appearance of Werewolf by Night in Marvel Spotlight number 2 from 1972. And then afterwards, the conversation ends but the fun still goes, and I have a special treat for you after that conversation as well. Only about 15 extra minutes, but uh, definitely uh, tune in for that after the show. Uh, who's afraid of the big dead werewolves? Find a werewolf! Now get off of me! We can't let that creep get away! Oh my gosh! It's not Fangface! It's the werewolf! Alright, so here we are. Episode 3 of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And I'm here with my guest for this episode, Al Sedano. How are you, Al? I'm good, Billy. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. And uh, as we spoke uh, off mic a little bit here, you know, I wanted to just come right out of the, the gates, uh, swinging for the fences with uh, Marvel's big three monsters from the Bronze Age. And I've yes. already done Dracula and Frankenstein's monster. And here we are with uh, Jack Russell, Werewolf by Night. By the way, just to embarrass myself completely, it was only within the last five years that I got the joke of the name. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I have read something. Yeah, I have read something about that where they kind of the, the people involved were kind of like, oh, no, we weren't trying to make a joke. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, OK, who do you think you're fooling? Nobody would say like, that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And T.O. Morrow, they just never put that together. That was completely <laughs> unexpected. Uh, yeah, right. They didn't understand that was a good joke there either. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Or but... Turner D. Century, since we're are doing Marvel stuff. Here, <laughs> let's go with that one. Turner D. Century. Yeah, right. That was un unknown. They never put that together. Sure. Just happenstance. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that I don't believe. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about the first appearance of uh, the Werewolf by Night here in uh, Marvel Spotlight number two uh, from 1972. So, yeah, this was, uh, you know, uh, one of Marvel's big three. And it's actually my second favorite uh, behind uh, Tomb of Dracula, of course, because I'm just a, a Gene Colan uh, zealot. So uh, anything he did is just, you know, tops for me. But uh the werewolf is one of my favorite monsters and uh mike plug uh, was pretty good here too so uh what uh, what do you think about uh werewolf by night oh i i definitely like it i mean as i showed you a picture the other night i was reading this issue ready of my essential werewolf by night volume one so mm -hmm. i i obviously was interested enough to buy it several years ago mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and it's it's an interesting uh title too because it was pretty much just a like straight up hardcore horror comic for you know quite a few issues and then you know there were some changes in the creative team and then uh, one another team kind of settled in on it it became more of like a superhero slash you know a horror uh, book after that you know a little less horror and a little more superhero and uh but the monster of the week maybe even sometimes but these early issues are are pretty spot on you know and you had uh, like we said mike plug is the artist and he's a really good horror artist Oh, yeah. No, but when you're talking, especially 70s comics horror, Mike Plug is definitely up there with um, uh, Wrightson. Mm hmm. Yeah. Know, it's like the ones like you was like, oh, they did the art. OK, I'm interested. Yep. Yeah. That's one of those names when you see it's, you know, that's that's the name on the cover saying this is who the artist is going to be. You know, you're in for a good one there for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I love his stuff from the 70s. Yeah, and this one was a uh, Roy Thomas plot and then a Jerry Conway script. And, you know, of course, you know, early 1970s Marvel, he was all over the place as well. He was one of the mainstays there. Oh, yeah, and he's always starting stuff up. I mean, on my show, like the first actual Warlock series, you know, when mm -hmm. he wasn't just a guest but actually had his own book, who was writing the initial four issues? Roy Thomas. Mm-hmm. So yep. he's, yeah. he's all over there. 
Yeah, he was, uh, you know, writing a lot, editing, and then, you know, of course, he, I think, didn't he succeed Stan Lee as uh, editor-in-chief there, too, for a while in the mid-70s, I think. Well, I think by this point, Stan was pretty much done doing stuff, so I think Roy was already taking his place unofficially. Because, I mean, wasn't that what Stan was doing? Even if he wasn't, like, scripting everything, he was still co-plotter, at least, or, you know, co-idea or co-idea, depending on what happened when. Yeah. And that's kind of like what Roy seemed to be doing later on when Stan stopped doing it, like kind of giving Marvel still a, a kind of like a, at least somewhat of like a creative, uh, on, uh was it a ongoing creative hand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, oh, overseeing. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So before I forget, oh, I did mention Mike Plug is the artist, and then John Costanza is the letterer on this one too. But how about uh, why don't we look at the cover here now? Uh, as of this recording, uh, we uh, the the comics book comic book here community we uh, just lost Neil Adams, and this is a Neil mm-hmm. Adams and Tom Palmer cover. So, um, what do you think of this cover? Uh, this this is I do like this period in the seventies. I know not a lot of people like it, but I do like that Bronze Age period where Marvel was doing like the uh, the the framing around the cover. Mm-hmm. So that's what this has. It has the nice you know red background and frame. And I'm always entertained when they actually do panels on the covers. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. It's not just, you know, a picture of the werewolf. You actually get to see a whole sequence of him changing into the werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because it's like it's called Werewolf by Night. We know it's about a werewolf. You know, we mm-hmm. don't need the primer on the on the cover. It's like, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> There's a werewolf yeah. in this book. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I love at the very bottom, night of full moon, night of fear. I, I love some uh, purple prose with my comics. <laughs> and I do like the fact that on this cover, he's not in the middle of the woods somewhere. It's a busy street he's on. Mm-hmm. There's like dozens of people. I mean, most of these horror books usually or horror movies or things like that, especially at the time, always like whenever it happened, the action was always somewhere out desolate. You know, there was no one else but the monster and the victim. Mm-hmm. And here it's kind of like, it's kind of like tell us it might be they're going to at least attempt to do something different. And the fact is, he's right there in the middle of the city. Yeah, and I like how it says Marvel Spotlight on Werewolf by Night, and it's it's like a spotlight projection, and at yes. the end of the the light is Werewolf by Night, and it's kind of like you know your your typical horror you know uh, cover there where it's like a black background and Werewolf by Night's in yellow, and it's like dripping blood. I would assume there. It's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I never read issue one of Marvel Spotlight, so I have no idea who's in it, and I don't know if they still did that kind of uh, cover treatment, you know, with the, with the actual spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think didn't I? Th- if I'm not mistaken, didn't Marvel Spotlight number one? Isn't that the character Red Wolf, the Native American guy? I have no clue. I think it actually might be, which is weird to jump from that then to horror. But <laughs> and it, they, you figure this title did stay on, you know, horror for a while because two, three, four is Werewolf by Night, and then five is the first appearance of the Ghost Rider. And I think it was Ghost Rider up until eleven, and then Damon Hellstrom after that for a dozen issues or so. And you're right; it is Red Wolf. I thought it was. I, I you know, they had so many, uh, you know quote-unquote spotlight kind of titles anthology type books and stuff like that in the 70s it's hard to remember but i thought i think it's red wolf uh, yeah it's um, kind of weird that they do that whole one you know like they start off red wolf with one issue and then you have a couple issues of werewolf you got several issues of ghost rider and then was it 12 issues pretty much of son of satan mm-hmm. and then yeah. after that it starts jumping back and forth yeah it goes back to just <laughs> something different every other issue but oh yeah crazy but i like it i like this title it was cool man i like how it was almost like a tryout book for something and to prove itself yeah it was it was basically the way of doing miniseries before they did miniseries mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's almost like a limited series and then like you know how it is if you put out a mini about something and it really you know does great numbers then usually that you know title you'll get its own, it'll get its own title the you know, character or whatever yeah, the team sure. yeah but it's just how i guess this is their way of doing a mini before they did it because i mean minis didn't happen for still several more years oh yeah those were gosh those were like i feel like those were like 10 years off or <laughs> something like I that think close to the it. first what was the was Fa- i think phantom zone might have been the first one and that was like just a little bit before crisis i think maybe yeah. a couple years before crisis yeah yeah something like that i know that's one an early one and 
isn't contest of champions pretty early on there too like some of those were like yeah 82 is that yeah. so yeah almost 10 years ahead of the time yeah which is pretty wild you know they're thinking out of the box maybe i guess but yeah so great cover it's it's really good um i found a blog online here where he literally probably has 20 pages of the 27 page story on his blog post which is pretty wild that's a lot of uh, storage there man oh, wow I hope this guy has the uh, the the upgraded plan because i can't imagine what the storage on this guy's block is costing him but yeah that's yeah, a lot Damn. like 20 20 images and most of them are full pages just for one blog post but hey thank you <laughs> so yeah this cover is awesome because i'm actually reading it out of the essentials as well because as you know werewolf finite is one expensive comic book so if you're looking for a marvel spotlight number two even in sort of beat up condition good luck because you're going to pay at least 100 bucks for it Oh, yeah. Well, plus, I think The Essentials is one of the best way to read these 70 Marvel horror books. Like, the black and white mm. feel, I think, adds to, adds to the reading experience. Because that's how I read Tomb of Dracula, too. I have The Essentials yes. Tomb of Dracula. And I think they look so great in the black and white. It kind of, it gives it a bit of an older feel. And it makes it, at least to me, feel like they take, they do take, I know it's a sliding time scale because it's part of the Marvel Universe. So it's still only going to have been like 10 years ago or so. That's fine. But to me, when I read them in the essentials, I feel like, yes, no, this is in the 70s. Just deal with the fact that it's in the 70s. And don't worry about the whole time scale and how it works out when, you know, the silver Spider-Man shows up or the silver surfer fights Dracula. Don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Suspend your disbelief. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But yeah, what a great cover. So yeah, awesome. Two thumbs up for the cover here. And uh, all right. So at this point, uh, we're going to dive into this guy. And I'm just going to do a quick little synopsis for it. And it's going to get us about, you know, two thirds of the way through. And then uh, you and I can just uh, start rapping about this one. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. So the story begins already in action as we see a mugger in an alleyway bearing down on a would-be victim. This is no ordinary victim, though, as a werewolf is there and kills the mugger. Within seconds, an LAPD cop happens to buy and attempts to stop the monster. He shoots the beast, but it still gets away. Next, the scene switches to the bedroom of 18-year-old Jack Russell. He wakes up screaming as if he's had a nightmare. His mom walks in and tells him it's time for breakfast, and his sister soon follows. But then they both see Grant, who's the chauffeur, uh, being abusive towards their mom, their stepdad comments that they'll just have to put up with his outburst because he's a quote-unquote good man. Meanwhile, Jack begins to get an incredibly painful and unnatural feeling in his head and chest. He then runs off and slowly but surely turns into a werewolf. He then fights an actual wolf out into the forest, then returns outside home to his home later and passes out. He awakens the next morning, and then he finds out that his mother was in a car accident and almost killed. Jack goes to see her at the hospital, and as she's on her deathbed, she tells him about a curse that will plague him forever. All right, so why don't we start off at the beginning here? What did you think of this opening splash page? Up? Oh, the opening page? Oh, this is great. The mugger coming down with the, the knife and everything. Mm. Yeah, this that's is, really no, This good. is a great opening sequence. It's a nice, I mean, you don't even see it's a werewolf at first. It's just a guy in ripped pants from what you can see. Yeah, it's it's he's like almost looks like a hobo. And then but yeah, when he turns around and you see him like they get face to face, it's it's pretty wild. The guy's like, oh, no. And yeah, there's the, the werewolf and Plug draws a werewolf like very, very humanoid, uh, which I prefer. You know, sometimes people draw a werewolf where it's more wolf like than with the extended snout. Yeah, I like I like this kind of the werewolf either, you know, either Neil Adams rendition on the cover. That's fine, too. It's a little more animalistic in the face but uh i i like plug's uh, werewolf too very humanoid very scary looking like it looks like a really powerful you know guy just but really hairy and with fangs <laughs> yeah and the detail he has i mean this area is a not good area i mean it's disgusting mm -hmm. there's garbage and dirt everywhere in fact it looks like they're walking through water yeah it almost does that that the, on that top panel there yeah and yeah, even in the second one too yeah yeah, and the third one, because it almost looks like like they're walking, like their legs are covered up, like there's stuff in them. You know, like they're walking through the water or the... Yeah, the sewers. In the sewer or something. That does look yeah. pretty gross, but I like how the moon is right behind them there in that uh, bottom panel as well. 
Yeah. Oh, that's that's really cool. But yeah, another and then you flip the page when the cop is there again, a lot of detail. And, you know, you were saying, too, about how sometimes the black and white actually, you know, I think, you know, it's a little more powerful in the black and white than it is the colored version. And I definitely think that with Gene Collins pencils of Tomb of Dracula, because I read it the oh, same way yeah. as well. Yeah. In the essentials. And I love it that way. And this is this is pretty sharp, too. It's, you really get to see a lot of the detail and then some shadow and stuff like that with it being in black and white. I really like that. Yeah, it gives it more of an old time, you know, old feel considering these are older monster. I mean, granted, this is a new version of the werewolf. It's not, you know, Larry Chabot, let's say, Larry Talbot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, those are old classic monsters. You know, they were old monsters when these books came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you figure those movies were like 35, 40 years old when this came out. So, yeah, you know, this was this was definitely doing its own thing here. And um, I do like too, you know, when... Uh, uh, I think it's page four of the comic here uh, when Jack wakes up from his, you know, what he thinks is a nightmare and he's sweating and all man, Plug, that top left panel is just fantastic. You know, you see the, like he's really scared waking up from this and you can see the sweat dripping off his face. That is a really awesome panel. Yeah. And I'm comparing them now. Granted the coloring might've been changed. I know they touch them up sometimes, but I'm I actually have both. I have my Marvel unlimited up as well as having the essential in front of me. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, looking at both of them and it looks so much better on the black and white that first panel from waking up the sweat than it does with the coloring for what it does they have the coloring the sweat the sweat even the dripping off is the same color as his skin flesh yeah it looks like his face is melting exactly (laughs) it doesn't look like he's sweating looks like he's melting yeah it's less weird here yeah Yeah. that it's like what the hell's going on there here it's like oh yeah he's sweating like he is drenched (laughs) <laughs> oh man yeah i really like that though that's really super cool and then it, how plug on that middle panel when he's uh thinking back to his you know what he thinks was a dream you see a little picture of the werewolf like in in the shadow of his head there in the essential that looks really cool too yeah yeah oh uh, yeah oh yeah really look at the art really really good stuff but yeah the uh uh, like we said, the chauffeur guy, he's a real piece of work and he's, you know, harassing the mom. And, you know, they're trying to like say to the stepdad, like, hey, man, you need to like step in and do something about this. And he kind of blows it off. And we do find out why a little bit later in the book. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. It's been a it's been a couple of years since I read. I mean, I read this whole essential years ago, but it's been a while. So I really don't remember. So I'm really curious to see how this turns out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I do like, too, how they're saying about, you know it's you know it's, he's you know 18 and then jack's hanging out by his you know with his friends here and this and that and then all of a sudden starts to get those pangs of you know the the werewolf wants out he's like something's trying to get out or something wants to get out and he takes off running and that's really cool too so again there's uh, you know uh, page six the bottom right hand panel where he's running and there's the gigantic moon in the background there i really yeah. like that. oh it reminds me of the scene from uh your joe versus the volcano oh yeah tom hanks when he's on the suitcase raft and the moon yeah. comes out and he's like just <laughs> yeah. almost praying to it. But yeah, yeah. No, this is a, this is kind of hilarious. I mean, he's in the middle of his birthday party mm-hmm. and yeah. everyone just watching him freak out like a uh, command this is 72. So they're all like, okay, don't try those mushrooms. Don't try yeah. the mushrooms. Is he high? Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he goes booking home there and there's the chauffeur and he's uh, under the hood of one of the cars and the guy's like, you know, hey, what's going on? Because he thinks he can hear something. And Jack kind of scurries off into the wilderness. And then, uh, oh, again, we got another uh, transformation here. And this one's a little bit different. He kind of falls to the ground. And, again, it looks like almost like he's, you know, drenched in sweat. Or is it, if it's raining or something. Well, I think it's supposed like. to be the water because he's in the ocean. Okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden is his hand. He's like, my hand. And you see his hand. It's like a claw scraping against the beach there. And yeah, then the next thing you know, yeah, boom, he turns around and. He looks really creepy on that page. My mom eight was there. right. My pa- I would get Harry Pops. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. And then here's the one part I was a little confused by. I'm like, wait, is this supposed to be because abandoned mansion or because they're talking about like it took me a little bit to figure it out because they're talking about all these like you know lonely gray mansions. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, is this abandoned or is, like why is there a wolf in this house? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it just, took me a minute to get that get to just, figure out what's going on there. Just took up residence there, I guess. <laughs> nobody else is there why not right he's like i got squatter rights baby (laughs) yeah he's not moving (laughs) and i do find this funny i've seen 
Oh, yeah. On that page nine on the bottom panel there, too. He's looking at Jack when he comes in through the doors. And he's he's growling and he's spit dripping from his mouth. But I do think it's funny because I think I've seen this happen more than once where a werewolf fights a wolf. And I think to myself, it's not a little on the nose there. Couldn't you? You know, I mean, I guess what are you going to do? Have him fight an animal. What's he going to fight? What do you got? Really? A wolf or a bear? Really? I guess, you know, it's yeah, not like it's a, probably the best ones. I mean, <laughs> To actually give him a chance, you know, like to give them a chance where the werewolf character could actually have a danger. Yeah, and I mean, he he's going to fight a Pekingese. Yeah, he's like going to get a yeah a cat or a dog going to come after him. I guess it, you really do need something wild, but I don't know if any wild wolves are running around Los Angeles either. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and that was the other thing. I mean, like as much as I love it, there are just like one or two things like when they're talking about the pack of wild dogs, and it's like at first I thought they were referencing him. Hmm. Like, it was going to be that he was the pack of wild dogs. But yeah. No, there's an actual wolf. It's like, oh, that works out very well. Again, like you're saying, like, oh, isn't that convenient? Yeah, and then he eventually uh, chucks it off the side of a cliff. So I guess that's <laughs> that's the end of him. That takes care of that. <laughs> so, and he's howling and he's, you know, again, he's having these. It's almost like a Hulk transformation where he's, you know, like the television show. And he's like holding his head and he's getting all loopy. And then he's just, boom, on the ground. And the next thing you know, he's laying there. The next morning, and you know the uh, I guess it's a stepdad that comes out and kind of finds him there, and the sister, and like you know they come uh, running and help him in the house. Like, what's going on? What's going on? And you know he can tell something's wrong, and he's like, "Oh, uh, you would have been here last night. You would have known your mother was almost killed." Yeah. So she was in a car accident. The brakes yeah. what didn't work. <laughs> and of course, you know we saw Mister. Uh, chauffeur there uh, under the hood of a car so you know you put one one and one together here and you can kind of figure out what's going on well i mean i don't know if he really wants to hurt the family i mean he says nice things like who's there if it's that punk kid i'll break him <laughs> yeah he's really got a beef with jack i don't understand why he's just a kid you know this guy's an adult and he's the chauffeur and you know he's you know I, I don't understand why he's got a problem with him necessarily he's a good man he's a bit of a complete ass but you know he's a good man <laughs> Yeah, he. That's what they. He said. I thought I was like when I first read this. I'm like, what do you mean he's a good man? He's like harassing your wife, dude. What's the matter with you? But again, we're gonna see uh, why he uh, didn't uh, go after the guy or <laughs> kind of just told everybody. Yeah, told everybody else to back off. There's a little bit of a mystery here, along with it being you know a you know a crazy werewolf horror story. There's there's a good story here. It's a good plot oh, yeah. and it's a good story. It's it's going to get you to want to see the next issue for sure. You know what I mean? If you bought this, you're gonna be like, well, I gotta know what happens because. Uh, well, like I said, Jack goes to the hospital and sees his mom there, and she's, you know, in her death throes, and she tells him that there's a, uh, I've given you a curse, one that you will live with forever. And he's like, a curse? What? And she says how uh, she married a guy, and uh, they were living over in, uh, I don't know, if does she actually say where they're living, or she's just say Europe, like, kind of vague about it. I don't know that she ever actually says where well, exactly it, it was. It was a small Baltic state. Oh, okay, yeah. So at least she got sort of specific there, and yeah, it will be retconned years later, of course. Yeah, to be yeah, she, uh, what's it called by one, wherever Wundagore is. Yeah, Wundagore in that area. Yeah, she says about how they, you know, they're living in this castle, this nun. She's like this the, the man that she married and had a child with, uh, a, a secret that blossomed like some wicked fruit once a month when he would lock himself in this single musty tower. And remain there for a trilogy of days and a trilogy of nights. <laughs> I like so that. How bad was his that he had to be locked up for the days, too? I mean. <laughs> yeah, he must have had it real bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like well, it's only the nights. What's he doing all day? Well, I mean, at one point, Jack does, you know, uh, obtain the ability once he gets more control over the be the inner beast, the beast within that he can change back and forth whenever he feels like it, too. So, you know, and talk and make phone calls and everything else later on in the series. <laughs> oh, that's the one thing I had a bit of an issue with until they get to it later with the werewolf thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite issues is, I think it's one of the very last issues of the series. So 42, 43, somewhere in there, where it's Doug Mensch writing and Don Perlin is the artist. And there's some kind of insane scientist or something like that. And he's trying to create a creature. And they're at a zoo and there's an alligator and like a, a, a tiger or a, a lion and some other kind of animal. And this guy like turns all three of those animals into like one crazy monster to fight Jack Russell. And <laughs> at some point, Jack Russell uh, calls the police. He's, you know, something happens there. I don't know if one of the guards gets hurt or killed or something. 
And he gets over and dials the phone as the werewolf. And he's like, hello, police. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's one of my favorite panels ever. <laughs> a werewolf crazy. dialing a telephone. Yeah, hello, police. <laughs> yeah. I did have an issue with it until I got near the end. Mm-hmm. They they say something that right now I'm headcanning as being what it happens, where it's when he's having the fight later on at the end of the, I'm not going to spoil you up, but this fight later on. And he says, of that I know nothing. But is my edited memory a real blackout or something I've since blocked from thought? So I'm kind of thinking of this as like the werewolf's not actually thinking these things. It's Jack kind of remembering and trying to put thought to it. Like what was like, you know, figuring out what, you know, like kind of doing it retroactively. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense. That makes that sense. Works. At least for me, that works better. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, we, again, we're still in the flashback and uh, the werewolf husband of uh, Jack's mom, you know, Jack's yes. biological father, he turns into the werewolf and, starts creeping around and kills a guy and then they got they set the dogs loose and they're after him and they shoot him and kill him and it's you know it's they're like oh no it's the baron because after they shoot him he uh, turns back in the human form and then that's when she says uh i uh, headed for headed for the states because <laughs> my husband was a werewolf and they killed him <laughs> yeah that's time to leave yeah and then wow and again another incredible transformation scene here with jack in the hospital talking to his mother and he starts wigging out and Wow, is that ever a crazy one on page 19 where the transformation and then he's full-blown werewolf and looks at his mom laying there in her hospital bed. She actually looks kind of like Electra when you see her uh, reflection in his eyes. Eyes, by the way. Because the thing on her head. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny now that I'm looking at him. Like, she looks like Electra there. (laughs) Yeah, just make the hair dark and that's it. It's Electra. Oh my gosh, they should have like a pair of psi by the side of the bed there or something. <laughs> but yeah, that, that transformation scene is great because it flows mm. together and it's not, it's flowing like through the werewolf's, you know, fur. Yes. Oh, it looks so good. Yeah, Plug, man, he did a great job there. And then the final, like I said, panel where you get a close up on his face and her reflection is in his eyes. Like, man, that is creepy. And, you know, he just, uh, he, he, th- this is like you said, there are these like almost like these thought bubbles here or like uh you know caption boxes where you don't know if it's like you said is it the werewolf thinking this or is jack still kind of in there a little bit and he's saying about how you know oh well she got into this accident and i saw grant you know messing with her car and that's how he puts you know one and one together or two and two together and yeah he, i like yeah like i said i'm going because i just realized here i just put it together here where he says in my last rational moments i put it all together grant bend over my mother's car the accident and I was like, oh, so it's kind of like to me, it's like if, you know, Bruce Banner has more memory of the Hulk and he's, you know, like uh, not the Hulk, sorry, uh, David Banner in the TV show mm-hmm. yeah, has more memory of like what happens when he's the Hulk. And he's kind of like so it's like his thoughts kind of like of what he's thinking, probably he was thinking at the time because the Hulk really doesn't have that much thought. Neither is the werewolf. Yeah, because that just kind of fits better for me. Like if this werewolf is thinking this much, it's. Kind of takes away some of the animalistic nature of it for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point for sure. Oh, and I did totally uh, brain fart here and forgot to mention that on page two, we have the uh, old folk poem about, you know, werewolves there from like, you know, the that was in the uh, Wolfman movie, you know, yep, with, with uh, Lon Chaney Jr. Jr. Yeah, they have that at the top of page two, which is pretty cool, too. And then the little credits box there with uh, everybody uh, that was uh, in on this issue, too. But I forgot to mention that, and I wanted to, because that was pretty cool. I like that. Good touch. To me, you can always throw that on, like, a number one issue of a, a werewolf book, and I'll be like, oh, cool. <laughs> well, especially at the time, that probably was the most famous werewolf movie ever. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. You know, yep. I mean, no doubt what about else? it. I mean, you know, no American werewolf in London yet. No howling. No, mean, unless you, you have uh, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Yeah, you had some B pictures in the, you know, 50s and 60s, and then... You know, a British, you know, werewolf uh, film. Hammer did one. But yeah, that that universal one was still the the movie when anybody thought about a werewolf movie for sure. Yeah. And they still would, you know, it still would have been seen, even though no one had obviously a VHS or DVD or even a beta. But Mm -hmm. but I mean, they still would have shown it on the creature features and, you know, the Fright Nights and all those type of shows. Yep. Yeah. All those local ones. Yeah. Because I don't even think. Uh, any of those uh, crazy uh, Spanish movies like the Nashi werewolf ones made it over here that early in the early 70s. He was just starting to make those in the late 60s. So I don't think they would have made it over here yet either. So, yeah, literally 90 percent of the people that would see a werewolf, that's probably the first thing that would come to their mind is Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And oh yeah. So then he, he creeps up behind. He just, it seems like he's like on just a side street. He didn't even go back home yet. He's just on like a side street and just happens to bump into the chauffeur grant. <laughs> a little, I'm not sure. Uh, there's a little bit of happenstance going on there, but he jumps on him and starts attacking him. But this dude's pretty tough. He's no wuss. And uh, he starts He's giving the werewolf a good fight. Beating a werewolf up. I mean, come on. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, he's a big dude. And, of course, the werewolf's thinking to himself, you know, the, again, these thought bubbles like, oh, he's really strong and this and that. But they're going back and forth. And eventually, you know, the Grant guy, he gets the, the better of him and he's choking him. But, again, this whole time he's thinking this is just some dude in like a Halloween costume. And then once he figures out that it isn't, that's when uh, the werewolf kind of starts getting the upper hand on him. Cause he just freaks. It's great. Yeah. It's like, once he realizes that this is not a human being, this is something that does not exist as far as he knows. Mm-hmm. And then also yeah. he's like, Oh, cr-. it just takes panic just takes over. So at least it makes sense. It's not just, I must win because I must win. You know, it's like the guy was winning until he realized, oh, crap, it ain't a mask. And that's it. He's like, he just brain is gone. <laughs> yeah, he's shot. He just totally gets, uh, you know, he turns into a coward. <laughs> yeah. So that works perfectly for me. You know, that yeah. works well. You know, like I said, it makes perfect sense of how that works out. Yeah. yeah. And then Grant tries to run away and you know, a werewolf jumps on him from behind and and then you don't see it, but it's kind of in the shadow. That uh, he kills the guy, you know, and like they're almost like in the back of some warehouse. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the werewolf hears hears like some noise and he's like him. I know him. His scent. This one. And he he hears this guy go grant. And there's somebody calling out for that grant guy. And it's the stepfather. And he basically, you know, is uh, monologuing to himself about how he was to pay grant ten thousand dollars for a. basically cutting the brake line on his wife's car. Yeah, except, and this is the one thing about this that makes it a cool, interesting story. It's not just the fact that he paid, he's paying him. It's like, well, wait, is he paying him to do that? Because he does not seem happy at all that it happened. And you would think he would be. So it's like, it almost makes you wonder, well, what is he paying exactly? Yeah, he's very cold about it. It's not like most of the time when you would see a, a a television show or a film, and somebody's offing their husband or wife or whatever. They're kind of like, ha, 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 about it with a big smile on their face. That's not how he acts. He kind of is there looking like Dick Tracy walking around with his hat and jacket on and his pipe and acting like, you know, he's all like cool, calm and collected. So it does it does ring a little weird there that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't actually seem happy that the guy accomplished what he was paying him to do. Yeah. So the question is, what was he paying him for? Makes me wonder. Because even says, yeah. even as he said it, my stepfather's voice broke. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, well, what did happen? What is going on? And then I like that panel too, where he turns around to walk out of the warehouse, and there's the werewolf, and his hand is like kind of reaching out for him. But it's almost like he's, you know, you know, found out something that you know traumatized him a bit, so he can't, you know, grab him, can't do anything about it. Something, gosh, you would think he'd just kill him right there. Yeah, and the next page, that last page, that top panel, the werewolf hiding behind the corner of the wind, blowing his fur and everything. Mm, yeah, that's great. Oh, man. And then the, 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 the you know, half-page panel underneath it, too, when I'm standing there howling. howling. Yep. Yeah, and then the guy, <laughs> the stepfather in the car with the pipe, like with his eyes looking around, like, what the heck was that? Like, he could hear it, and then I love oh, how that it noise. Says, yeah, what could revenge matter? What could it even matter to a boy, now a man, now a wolf? I <laughs> love that prose. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I love it. A lot of people complain about, you know, uh books in the seventies that they're they're overwrought, you know, and the purple prose and just it over the top. And I, I can't argue against it, but I, I do enjoy that. I really do. Like I know sometimes you pick up a comic and it takes you a half an hour to read it because there's so many caption boxes and word balloons and everything else. But it, as long as it's somebody who was a good writer, a writer that at least I enjoy, I should say. I don't mind it at all. I actually like it. No, they entertain me because they're fun sometimes. Yeah, you know, yeah, and absolutely. Makes, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it does add a little extra to the story. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, to me, like I said, as long as it's, you know, uh, most most of the writers that from that era, I enjoy them. You know, some of them, it's a little over the top and it's not quite as good as others. But I enjoy uh, I enjoy Conway. I do like him quite a bit. So. Yes. 
I, I enjoyed this issue uh, a lot. So uh, how about you? What did you think? Oh, no, I enjoyed this issue. Like, I mean, it makes me want to read this whole thing again. Because, mm. like I said, I want to see more about what's happening to the werewolf. And I want to know actually what was going on. Like, why does is the mother being killed? I mean, is it an inheritance? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess she had money since she was married to a baron. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm telling you, dude, this is what this happens to me, too. I'm just thinking, oh, man, now I want to read the next one and the next one and the next one. I just want to keep reading. Yeah. <laughs> so it does it does grab me into it. I'm actually more curious about that than what happens with him as a werewolf sometimes, I think. Yeah. And then, the mystery. Yeah, and then even the backstory, too. I think they did that. They they weaved that in here really well, too, with just giving you that, you know, what was it, maybe two pages or three pages of that flashback with his mother in the hospital. But there's still yeah. obviously a lot of questions to be answered there. Like, how did that guy become a werewolf? You know what I mean? And there's a big story behind that, too. Yeah, and knowing what I know, you know, now obviously about like how this all connects, like we said with Wundergore and everything, I'm just curious, like, when does that happen? You know, does it happen in the werewolf series? Does it happen afterwards? Mm-hmm. You know, when does he become tied in with like this, you know, I mean, the high evolutionary and, you know, Jessica Drew and all that? Yeah, and I didn't read a lot of that stuff until I got my hands on Avengers stuff from the. It was probably. I didn't read it when it came out, but probably I think that was like the late 70s, wasn't it? When they started talking about like Wanda and Pietro in that area and stuff oh, like that. I just read some of those issues. Uh, it was like early, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, somewhere in there. Was, I enjoyed uh, that. Bert, it was like 187, 188. Firm was drawing it. The Falcon was on the, on the team for the yeah. first time. So it was somewhere around like 78 to 81. Yeah. I remember I, exactly. Yeah, I love that era of Avengers. And I remember it really enjoying that, you know, going into their past and it being in that area of the world. And like you said, this, and you know, it's obviously not that far away from like the, the Transylvania area and stuff like that. Oh, I of love course. it. Yeah. I love and it. Like when, do, when does like, you know, when do we find out about, you know, Chathon and all that stuff, the elder gods, like, does that, is that a retcon years later? Or is that in the world series itself? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, I remember reading that stuff in the backup stories for the high evolutionary in the Avengers. Uh, was, no, not Avengers. Uh, evolutionary war annuals. Oh yeah. From the late eighties there. Was that 88, 89, somewhere in there? Yeah. It was, or 80, no, 87, 87. Yeah. Cause 88, I think was Atlantis attacks. I think. Yeah. Yeah. There were like one of the two. There were like three big ones in a row there. Three years in a row. Yeah, but it makes but a lot of those were written by Mark Grunewald, who was an expert at mixing that stuff in. So the question is, did it happen before, or was that all, you know, him doing that in those annuals? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it seemed to me like I think a lot of these bits and pieces were around, but there wasn't like a solid, you know, trail or pathway to show you everything. But people like him, I think, uh, came along and and oh, you know yeah. connect, connected the dots. He's done that before. I believe he's one of the ones that were responsible about, you know, mixing the Eternals in with Thanos and stuff. Oh, probably. Yeah. From Maybe. the, because uh, I know he wrote some, I know he just didn't write all of them, but I know he wrote several of the Eternal backup series, backup stories from What If. Mm, okay. And yeah. that's where it's established that Mentor was an Eternal. And therefore gotcha. that meant Thanos and Star Fox were. Yeah. Yeah. So Good stuff. Yeah, so, like, the question is, like, was that... And Grunewald, like I said, he was great at, like, taking those bits and pieces and going, okay, this all fits together. I just want to see what... I'm just curious what bits and pieces will actually be in here itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of it. Yeah, that's, you know... Yeah. You go through this, you're going to see a lot of... A couple of little, uh, you know, little pieces, uh, dribs and drabs here and there. Maybe not the whole story, but little bits and pieces that other people later on grabbed and took off with and you know, made into something special, even more special, I should say, or bigger. That, that's the fun thing about these connected universes when they, when they do it well, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, as much as, uh, you know, Glover Thomas, like not everyone, Droy, not everyone named Grayson was re- related to each other. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm thinking specifically of robot man from all-star squadron. Oh yeah. Yep. And Dick, you know, <laughs> Robert Grayson and Dick Grayson's like, yeah, just cause they're named Grayson. <laughs> Yeah, there's 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 people with the same last name that have no relation to each other. <laughs> exactly. There is a supermarket here in Florida. It's more on the by my the uh, east coast of Florida by Miami mm-hmm. called Sedanos. Same last name as me. <laughs> as far as I know, there is no relation whatsoever between me and then. 
Well, you need to make sure if there isn't because they're, otherwise it, they're holding out on me. Yeah, if there if there is, you need a, a piece of the pie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, people have you know, there's more than one person with each last name. Just more than one family. Accept it. <laughs> Move on. And I did notice too. I wanted to say that. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes these essentials, like you and I have, sometimes they're getting a little pricey too because they've been out of print so long, and you know. It, TV shows, movies, stuff like that. That's driving the price up on a lot of stuff, too. But I did notice that uh, on Amazon right now, you can pre-order Werewolf by Night Volume 1. They are starting to do the masterworks with Werewolf oh. by Night. Yeah, and you figure that's probably only going to take maybe five volumes because uh, yeah. it only went 43 issues and then a couple of the giant size and stuff like that. So it'll probably only go five issues or five uh, volumes. But I will be pre-ordering that because I think there's supposedly some... Uh, werewolf by night you know tv show or disney plus series or something like that coming so oh you know i get my button gear and get my volume two of the essential because i don't have that yeah you better grab it because the closer you get to when that i think that's supposed to be coming out sometime in september october october around halloween that makes sense i was just thinking how cool it would be if like they started doing some of the the character you know the the horror characters that you know for the mcu there's there's a whole yeah, they could do a whole horror universe of just Marvel's horror stuff if they had somebody that could, you know, pull it off. Yeah, I mean, they could do what they tried to do with uh, at Universal with the, the Tom Cruise, you know, the Tom Cruise mummy movie mm-hmm. where they tried to restart that and it didn't work. Yeah, I actually enjoyed their uh, Wolfman one, the Benicio Del Toro. I actually enjoyed that. I keep forgetting about that thing. I still want to I need to watch it. I keep forgetting. Yes, pretty good. Anthony Hopkins is in it, too. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I enjoyed that. I, I thought it was really really good like not as good as the original obviously but uh, for uh, uh, you know uh, basically a remake and, and a newer effort because i'm not real huge on a lot of the newer stuff but i thought it was really good i think it was 2010 we'll have to look for that later but yeah hey yeah i'm gonna be pre-ordering that because uh, <laughs> i did start ordering i already ordered well i shouldn't say i ordered i need to pre-order volume two but last october uh they had volume one of tomb of dracula come out so those are just getting so expensive single issue wise. And I do have the essentials, but I want, you know, the whole series in color too. And Marvel, they had these trades that came out maybe in like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there, but they only went to volume three, which got you to like, I don't know, maybe issue 30. And then they stopped making those. And then they came out with those. Ugh. What are they? Epic collections or something? Maybe. Oh yeah. That's the current, that's like the replacement for the essentials, the Epic collection. Yeah, and they came out with those, which is fantastic. But before I realized they even had them of Tomb of Dracula, they were already out of print, and Volume One's like over a hundred dollars, and I'm not paying that. <laughs> no, no. So, so I'm just going to slowly, you know, once a year when they come out every October, get the Masterworks, and once I get to, you know, all of them, I know it's probably going to take seven years to get all of them out, but that's uh, I'll probably end up selling my single issues because I probably have about twenty-five, thirty single issues, but. I'll uh, sell them, guys, and then uh, once I have all the masterworks, I'll roll that way. But yeah, oh. I think okay, sep- I yeah, late September is uh, the Tomb of Dracula one too. Didn't mustn't have sold out on Amazon either because you can still get it on Amazon and it's not very expensive. It's less than cover price. And then last I looked, there were still eBay sellers selling it for like fifty five, sixty bucks. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now on eBay on my phone. Uh, Essential Wolf by Night Volume Two is I can get it somewhere between fifteen and like thirty bucks. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. And like I said, those masterworks, wow. man, that's a deal. Yeah. I'm seeing Tomb of Dracula Volume 3 for Essential. Oh, no, I have it, so I don't need it. Three and a quarter. Yep. Some of those are getting crazy. I just... No, no, I, oh, no. I'm saying $3.25. Oh, for the whole Essential? For Volume 3 of the Essential. $3.25 with a $7 shipping. Wow, so 10 bucks basically. I mean, it doesn't. It's not gonna help anyone listening because it has one day, two days left. So, yeah. I mean, I got my essentials, like the bulk of my essentials, at probably two comic shows. I can't remember which ones. They weren't huge shows. They were more mid-sized shows. And I found a seller that was selling essentials again. Werewolf by Night. I have both of those. I have all four of the Tomb of Draculas. I have all the Doctor Stranges too. I ended up getting those all for probably about five bucks a pop. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I got most of mine at like different at convention stuff. Like I said, I had the first werewolf. I have the first three Tomb of Draculas. I had the Rampaging Hulk. I got Howard the Duck. And I have, uh, what is it? The, um, 
I've either I forget which volume it is, but one of the two of the Marvel Horror, you know, does all the other yes. characters that didn't last yep. long enough. Those are good too. Yeah, they have two volumes of that Marvel Horror. They're great. Yeah. Yeah, supernatural thrillers. Is. Yeah, yeah. I forget which one it is, but it has Son of Satan and Scarecrow in it. So which yeah. one is that? Good stuff. I just need to get the other. I need to get the other one. Like I said, those ones I want, and if possible, the Frankenstein. Yeah. Well, you know what? Speaking of Frankenstein, um, they have a color trade out that's really nice that came out. I think maybe 2015, 2016. I think you can still find that on the cheap, pretty good too. Like maybe twenty bucks, twenty five bucks, and it's the entire color series. It's all the black and white magazine appearances and then some like Marvel team up appearances too. Huh? Yeah. It's a really good deal. I, I think it's just, just might say just Frankenstein on it, but yeah, it's like almost like the Epic collection kind of format, but it's really good. It's yeah. Like I said, it's probably a $40 book cover price and you can find that for like 25 bucks. And I bought that at, maybe about four or five years ago. It's really good. Oh, look for that. Yeah, you got to look for all that monster stuff. Good stuff. Oh, that's that 70s Marvel monster stuff is so much fun. Oh, it's a blast. Yeah, like we've said, you know, you, there's the big three, and then there's all these other ancillary characters and other books, and just it's just it was all a blast. I love, and the artwork is usually incredible. So even if you know some of the dialogue and <laughs> like we said is a little much for you, just just the visuals alone and make it worth buying these. You know, like I said, either essentials or epics or whatever you want to get them in it's it's definitely worth your time to take a look at it oh i i think so they're they're a lot of fun you know com combining these horror characters in with the you know these universes the moral universe that kind of like it makes it bigger i mean it makes sense if you have characters like dr strange running around there's gonna be magic and things like that and so why mm -hmm. not werewolves or vampires yeah makes complete sense and i'm glad they did it so all right well why don't we transition now to what you have going on? So if anybody does not know you or your show, why don't you tell everybody about what uh, you do? Sure. Well, I have my show is called Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. It's all about Adam Warlock and Thanos. I mean, why you keep asking these questions? It's very <laughs> obvious people. Come on. But yeah, so we're, right now, this year, we are doing what I'm calling the wilderness years. We're covering that period of time between 77 and... Well, 89, when both Adam and Thanos were dead. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff with, involving the ancillary characters and kind of like things that are going to be setting up everything for what's going to be coming afterwards when they come back, which is Infinity Gauntlet. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing what's happening with Drax and Moondragon and the Man Beast and, you know, what happened to Counter Earth. You know, and all mm -hmm. the stuff that was involved with them. So there's still, you know, it's there's and the soul gems because they're soldiers called soul gems. Mm -hmm. You know, and all the, you know, where they're going, what they're, what's happening with them. So, you know, it's kind of like setting the stage for all the Infinity Gauntlet stuff, more or less. So we're doing that. We're covering that stuff right now. Yeah, and as of this recording, you had just had an episode come out maybe the week before. And uh, we were talking about that before the recording here as well with uh, John Wilson. And it was yep. uh, covering real three really cool Marvel two-in-one issues. Yep, issues 61 to 63, where the Thing teams up with uh, her and Moondragon and Starhawk to find out, you know, because her is trying to bring Adam Warlock back to life. And they have to find Counter-Earth because it's missing. Mm -hmm. Dun, dun. Because of the Beyonders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the high evolutionary, that crazy dude's running around all the time over there. Oh, yeah, yeah old Kettlehead. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, so anybody that's, you know, looking for, if you're into especially the cosmic side of Marvel, this is a show you have to check out. Definitely uh, get out there and uh, download the show. Yeah, uh, resurrections at warlock.tumblr.com. I'm on Twitter at Adam Thanos Pod. So just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos, whatever search box you uh, search for use for podcasts, and it'll pop up. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'll have all this stuff in the show notes as well for the episode. And, uh, you know, like I said, yeah, everybody get out there, follow the show and uh, follow Al out there on Twitter for sure. He's always uh, floating around too out there in ether. And anytime there's especially any uh, cosmic talk, you're right in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, I try. I'm like, oh, I know <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank you for being on, Al. This was great, man. A lot of fun. I love talking to horrors. And uh, hey, maybe I can uh, twist your arm to come on again. Ow, ow. Okay, okay. That's fine. Stop that. that I say yes. <laughs> yeah, man, there's plenty of stuff to talk about. We we you know, we love the the horrors, so always uh, plenty to plenty the the well runs very deep in uh, Marvel uh, Bronze Age. Yes, it does.
All right. No, well, seriously, thank you for having me on. I do appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. You betcha. All right, everybody stay uh, tuned. So I'll be back in a minute after a promo to wrap things up. Power Records presents The Curse of the Werewolf. Even a man who's pure of heart and says his prayers at night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the moon is full and bright. The words seem to echo in my skull. I struggled with something snarling and vicious within my soul. And when the madness passed... You! Hold it right there! What in the name of... Good Lord! The man I'd attacked was dead. Some sort of animal. But Lord, the way it runs, like a man. There was a bridge, a muddy river. I dived in, my shoulder afire, with the agony of a glancing bullet. My arm, my arm. Somehow I got away. Where am I? How did I get here? What is this place? I ran, I ran. Under the light of the bright full moon, I ran. I must find my way home. Why am I here? Why? My skin is burning. My thoughts unclear. Why am I here? But the night gave me no answer, and I felt my dark green slipping, and in a moment, I awoke. No! What? I... I'm home again. That dream. Each time I have it, the dream grows worse. It almost seemed real. Today, I'm a full-fledged 18 years old. My arm was slashed, just as it had been cut in the dream by a policeman's bullet. Suddenly, it all came flooding back. That dream. Was it a dream? Lord, what if it was real? Jack, Jack, it's almost time for breakfast. Yeah, I know, Mom. I guess I don't feel very hungry. Maybe I'll just rest in my room today and think. I had plenty to think about. I didn't know what was bothering me exactly. When evening came, I headed for a lonely stretch of beach. I felt myself fall forward. My vision blurred and when it cleared, I saw a thing that made me scream. My hand. And in the sudden brilliance of unclouded moonlight, in the reflection of a muddy pool, I saw him for the first time. And I knew, I knew. I was a werewolf. I have no way of knowing how I spent those hours before dawn. I must have wandered until the beast who was myself died. When morning came... Jack! Jack! Lord, where have you been? We've been searching for you everywhere. Jack! I heard my stepfather's words only dimly. Can you walk? Try to get to your feet. Lisa, fix him some coffee. Yes, coffee. I'm okay, Dad. I'm okay. The house was warm. Lisa, you're crying. What's wrong? She can't answer you, Jack. What? Why not? Your sister's almost hysterical. Dad, tell me, please, what's happening? Tell you? If you'd been here, you'd know. Your mother was almost killed tonight, Jack. She's lucky to be alive. Something went wrong with the brakes of her car. She was searching for you, Jack. Searching for me? Then she must have known. And now she may be dying. And it's my fault, all mine. That's one way to see it, son. Please, Mr. Russell, the boys have said, let me be with him alone. I wish I could have said something to Dr. Allen. You're mighty tense, lad. You can't blame yourself, you know. I can't. Just watch me, Doc. He gave me a shot. Something to relax me, he said. Just as he was leaving, I heard the phone. Yes, this is Mr. Russell. Unchanged? Yes, I see. But if Mrs. Russell should awaken, please tell her we've found Jack. And then it all faded, melting into black. And when I woke, it was mid-afternoon. Mom! Lord, how could I sleep while she... I'd better get down to the hospital, find out how she is. Mrs. Russell? Sorry, son, she's on the critical list. That means no one can see her. No one. Sure, thanks. Somehow I've got to find out where she is. The doctor over there, talking about Mom. That must be her room. I'll just wait, and then... Lord! Jack? Is it you? Yeah, Mom. It's me, the professional prodigal son. What's this? Please, try a smile for Mom. 
Sure, Mom. Jack, Jack, stop feeling so sorry for yourself. Your father would be ashamed, but you never knew what kind of a man he really was. Mom, don't stop me, Jack. I won't be stopped. This is a, a part of your heritage I always ignored, pretended didn't exist. But now I'm dying, and you have to be told. Come on, Mom, don't say that. You live longer than me. Jack, you don't understand. I've done you a terrible wrong. I've given you a curse, one that will live with you forever. A curse? I don't understand. How could you? Your father was a fine man. A man I met in a small Baltic state while just a student on a holiday abroad. A man I married and bore a son. Ah, Jacob, you're a big lad, eh? Big like your father, bright like your mother. Those first two years were idyllic. Yet even then I could sense some dark secret that stood between us. A secret that blossomed like some wicked fruit once a month. When he would lock himself in the single musty tower and remain there for three days and three nights. He told me he studied his books on those nights. And for two years I tried to believe him. Until that night of the storm, when a bolt of lightning tore out the tower's side. Later that same night, in the village below... The village carpenter made his way homeward through the street. Who's... No! But he never made it home again. Aye, milady. We need the Baron's aid, we do. Everybody knows he's the most educated man in all the land. Why, he's upstairs in the tower. This way, gentlemen. But he wasn't there, Jack. Gone! The demon must have taken the Baron, too. But on the following night, as the townspeople hunted in the northern woods... There! In the shadows! Something moved. Not just something, Jack. But the hideously deformed caricature of the man those peasants dared call. Werewolf. Though I wasn't there, I could hear the sound of them shooting silver bullets. I can hear that pitiful monster's cry every night, every moment I try to dream. For you see, the men came to me later and told me the horrible secret they'd uncovered. It's him. Lord, it's the Baron. My father... A werewolf? And maybe that explains it all. How could I have told you, Jack? I'd read the family books. Knew it was an hereditary curse. One that you may well have been damned with. You, or even little Lissa. And the curse? To become a man like beast. First on the night of your 18th year. And forevermore, wherever the full moon blooms. Well, Mother... You might as well know what you've probably already guessed. The curse is mine. But why did it happen to our family? Why us? I could stay there no longer. I have to get away. Jack! Blackness blistered inside of me. All I could see was the moon. The moon. Something boiled up within me. An unearthly force tore my mind apart. I was changing into a werewolf once more. As my human mind slipped away, I felt the horror. A horror I would have to live with my whole life. Unless, unless I could find out what had caused the curse. Perhaps then there would be a way out. Would a journey to my father's homeland bring the answers? Twenty hours later and across the large expanse of Transylvania... This is it, Topaz. Rusoff Manor. Among these old books, we're bound to find some of the answers. God knows, maybe all. Jack, come here. I think I've found it. Yes. This is exactly what I've been searching for, Topaz. Here, read this. How my great-great-great-grandfather became the werewolf. It began in 1795. That's a long time ago. Into the night, I read the diary. Words penned by the first member of my family to be stricken by the curse. How I survived this past week, I shall never know. It began. But I now fear the coming of each night. Each full moon for the horrors that it brings me. It began one week before, and when it shall end, I fear I will never know. Baron Rusov, I am sorry, but your wife, she's been slain by the vampire. Louisa killed? 
By Dracula? He threatened if I did not kneel to his power that I would suffer. I must slay him. Gustav, lay my wife to rest. I have work that must be done. I go to kill the demon. Castle Dracula was unguarded, for there were none in the village below who would have dared venture towards it save I. And so, making my entrance to the fiend's underground chambers was done with ease. You sleep in comfort, do you, Dracula? Then sleep tightly, dark beast, for you shall never waken again. Ah! Devil screamed as the wooden stake stabbed through his heart. But his scream lasted only one short, breathed moment. For in an instant, there were only ashes where flesh had once been. I threw his coffin in the cold Danube waters below. I thought revenge had been mine. Then I heard a muffled sound, a cry. And heaven help my foolish curiosity, I turned to its source. There was a door sealed with a wooden beam. And idiot that I was, I opened it to find... A girl? Who are you, lass? And why are you imprisoned in this living hell? I am called Lydia, sir. And it was Dracula who placed me here. Damn devil! How long have you been here, girl? One month, sir. And kept alive only as long as my blood pleased him. Live in fear no longer, Lydia. The fiend is dead. We walked beneath the moon and I talked. But my conversation was the last thing she cared about. For as the full silvered moon loomed above us, I heard a fierce, slavering growl. A wail from a being, neither human nor animal. And when I turned towards it, I saw the face of my death. Her claws glistened in the moonlight. But it was her eyes that transfixed and paralyzed me as my murderer sank her fangs into my neck. And from that moment on, I was cursed. And for the next two nights, beneath the rising full moon, I became a mindless, rampaging werewolf. There's more to read, but not now. But why did Dracula keep a werewolf locked away? What could he fear from it? The diary said Dracula could not control the beast as he was able to control others that there was something about her that made her impervious to his commands. Which probably means that Dracula's command won't affect me, and that I'll be the one who'll be able to stop him. Maybe that's it, Topaz. Maybe if I can defeat Dracula, the curse of the werewolf will be broken. You must be careful, Jack. Dracula is very powerful. Looks like I'm going to have company tonight. Unexpected company. I see those two young fools from Rose of Manor wish to enter my castle. Good. <laughs> Very good indeed. Dracula leaps from the tower roof and flies once again as the raven-winged bat. Topaz, run! It's Dracula attacking! But before the girl can move... Topaz! He's taken him. I'll find you, Topaz! That I swear! As Jack Russell scales the peak to Castle Dracula, he is bathed in the light of the full moon, and Jack Russell once again becomes the werewolf. However, inside the castle... My dear young lady, welcome to my castle. I hope you will enjoy my hospitality. Suddenly, he hears the harsh, guttural growling of the werewolf. What? A beast attacks here in my castle? Now he shall finally perish! The battle begins. Dracula commands the beast to stop, to halt. But this is a new breed of beast. It attacks. Dracula's orders affect it not, for the werewolf bites its ivory fangs deeper and deeper into Dracula's neck. Until Dracula turns, his face burning with bloodthirsty rage, and leaps at the werewolf's throat. Back and forth they writhe in deadly combat. And soon it's obvious, neither can win, but neither will lose. Fight well, werewolf. Take the girl and go, and pray that we never meet again. For the next time, I will not be so kind. Until the next time... <laughs> With that, the bat that once was Dracula rises into the night, and the curse of the werewolf remains bloodied, but unbroken. Episode 3. Once again, I want to thank Al for being on. Great guest, you know, great guy. Definitely look him up. 
from his podcast and he does some uh, you know guest spots as well here and there so check those out as well and I wanted to go over a quick little bit of feedback here my buddy Professor Allen uh, he uh, emailed in on the tomb of Drac number one and said so glad you're expanding magazines and monsters love the first episode of tomb talk he said I know that's not what you called it <laughs> but that's what it is in my mind and he's like I've read these early issues in the essential I look forward to continuing with the title. Excellent episode. Take care and keep up the good work. And thank you, Alan, for emailing in, buddy. Um, I really appreciate the feedback. And anybody else that wants to leave any feedback, it's magazinesandmonsters at gmail.com. Or you can just reach out to me on Twitter. You know, it's at Billy D underscore licious as well. And uh, I'll catch you next time. <laughs>